Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. It's us again, the Sports Animals, on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. And our top headlines today, uh, this is sad. Brittany Griner has been moved to a penal colony in Russia. And, uh, well, the the sad part of that is that the penal colony, the the conditions are far much worse than the Moscow jail she was in. That that really was upsetting, seeing that headline. And when I first saw her name, I was hoping there was going to be good news attached to that, but it is not. And I I wonder what the reasoning behind that is. But it's just terrible for her, and hopefully they can get her home. But it doesn't seem like it's headed in that direction, which we thought maybe a few months ago there was a lot of hope. Now it doesn't seem like there's as much hope to get her out, at any time early at least. Yeah, and the... um Basically, I mean, you're out, and nobody knows where she is. That's kind of the problem, and that's why it's very shocking. I, I guess we could think that she would, you know, it would be expected that she would end up there. Maybe we thought that there would be a prisoner swap before then, but it doesn't seem like, and, and again, we have no information. Everything is totally top secret. We have no information on how negotiations are going or whatever. All we've heard is that, the Russians are being pretty uh, hard-headed about the trade. Very stubborn. And if you can't get her in a prisoner swap back home, what would it take? Uh, hope, yeah, I'm afraid to say that. Hopefully not living out or working out her sentence. That would be incredible. Uh, but I really thought maybe there was more hope. But every time we hear her name lately, it's attached to something where it doesn't look as good as it might have been with some of the rumors out there. Like you said, though, we don't really know what's going on. It just doesn't seem from any bit of information we get that there's anything positive coming out of this. Yeah, the uh, it's just scary when you think about penal colony and you're like, hey, what what is a penal colony? And you're reminded it's, you know, I'm just looking at Wikipedia. It's a, you know, it's basically... Uh, you, you go into exile, sometimes on a, like a remote island or a remote location very, very far away. It's, you know, has wardens or wardens have the absolute authority over everything. I mean, it's like your own country that you're thrust upon. And it's um, crazy that, um, you know, that countries live like that, that operate like that. I mean, you would never have something like that here. In America, but I, again, it just goes to show you. I mean, you know, don't. I don't believe that she. Obviously, she um, she tried to smuggle in drugs. You know that that's that's not ar- that's not argued. No, right. And oh, I I did it by accident, and oh, my doctor said I could ha- have it. It's like you know what? Why do you even mess with that stuff? Especially going into a place that's run by crazy people like Russia. Right, I mean, you, right. you or, or North Korea. I mean, places like that. Why would you even gamble that? 
Anyway, we pray for uh, Brittany yes. Griner and that uh, BG gets out safely and very, very soon. I mean, uh, the greatest Christmas present would be get out by the holidays. I don't know if that's going to happen, but ugh. Uh, college football uh, playoff rankings uh, came out yesterday. And I guess we're not too surprised. I mean, I, I thought I'm a little surprised about TCU. I, I guess that they would be number four. Tennessee. The, so number one is Georgia. That's no surprise at all. Georgia's number one. Ohio State number two. Those aren't surprises at all. Michigan, I thought would move up to number three. Those three, I thought were definite. I had a feeling TCU would be number four because they're undefeated. They're in a Power Five conference and they are good. No undefeated team in a Power Five conference has not made the playoffs ever. So it looks good for them as long as they keep winning. I, I don't see any surprises that I thought, wow, why are they there? I, again, I thought Tennessee had a drop. I guess the question was, would Tennessee's loss to a number one team keep them out of the top four, or would TCU get in or Tennessee? So it kind of played out that it was either or, and Tennessee's right behind them. But now you have Oregon right on the cusp as well at number six. And again, they haven't lost since week one. I don't know if they win out, if that'll get them in. And then there's also mentioning about LSU. If LSU wins the SEC championship, now they'll have two losses. And as we know, no two-loss team has ever made the playoffs. But if they go and win the SEC, that means they would have beaten Alabama and Georgia. Uh, how do you keep them out? That's going to be question. a hard one. I got a question. Maybe it's a stupid question. Why isn't Ohio State number one? Why is Georgia number one? Because they're in the SEC? Maybe defending champions gives them a little bit of re not respect, but um, uh, heads, uh, that's a good question. From my, from my eye test, <laughs> you Ohio. You gave up on the word. Well, you gave up on the word. Maybe well, it gives them a little uh. heads up, I was going to say. I'm not sure if that would be the right phrase. No, Ohio's, no, it's not. Ohio State struggled against Maybe it gives them a little advantage by being the incumbent. Yeah, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't be based on anything from the years past. I hate when that uh, get mentioned and uh, brought into the, pr the thought process or uh -huh. why a team is ranked. I think Georgia's a better team, but Ohio State would have a legitimate gripe for number one as well. I mean, they have been that good. They both have had close two, a one close win each. Again, 21-7 over Northwestern last week for Ohio State. Georgia over Missouri a little well, over a month ago. Oh, they win by they win by two touchdowns over Northwestern, and you say that's a close game. Yet, um, who was it? Was it uh, Tennessee lost by less than two touchdowns, and that was a blowout for for them to be for them for, for yeah for them for playing the way they have to lose that way. Yeah, that game was over early for Ohio State. Right, but, the reason but that was a but that you call that a blowout. I didn't say a blowout. I said it was decisive. Not a blowout. It was decisive. 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 Yet this one's a close victory. Because Ohio State has been beating their opponents by 25, 35 points. They're playing a really bad team that I think they were favored by four touchdowns. And it was probably their closest one of the year against a bad team. So, yeah. Um, now they beat Penn State by about the same margin, but and it's on the road. I think you got to give them a, you know, you, you're not going to blow everybody out. You're not going to score 77 on everybody during the year. That's my that's my argument. They beat Notre Dame when they were nationally ranked, and that seems to matter to some people. That even though they're not a very good football team, they thought they were when they played them in the beginning of the season. But um, you know, I mean. Wisconsin isn't having the kind of year they usually have, but it's a good program. Michigan State, they totally blew out. Uh, they beat Penn State by two touchdowns. Well, Penn State's uh, you know, a really I, good team. Northwestern is not. That's the point. 
Right, but at the same time, I mean, look at Georgia. Have they blown everybody out? I said they had one close win. Missouri, Missouri was the one that really they, they oh. almost lost. They almost I take lost. Northwestern over Missouri right now. Right now, not even close this year. And I'll get Tanner to probably verify that. But Missouri probably might be a bowl team. I think they're four and five, and for them, that's really good. They've actually had some decent wins, and they're playing a lot better. Northwestern is having a really awful year. Okay, so if uh, if Ohio State wins out, meaning they'll beat Michigan yeah. and Maryland, which is pretty good this year, do they go to if both teams win out? Is Georgia still the number one team? Do they still have the number one seed? That's a good question because Georgia again just beat Tennessee. Ohio State would have beaten Michigan. They both have top three or top four wins recently. That would be a tough question, I wonder. I wonder maybe if the margin of victory comes into play for that. But you're supposed to base it every week with a fresh vote, not basing it on how they were last week and do you move them up. It's supposed to be a new vote every week. So I guess technically you're not supposed to consider the previous week. But I don't think you could go wrong either way. I don't think there would be a big debate either way, except if you're in the last week of these rank of these poll uh, rankings, what would – what would Ohio State have done to have them leapfrog Georgia, even though, again, it's supposed to be a fresh poll every week? All right. Uh, okay, so Michigan. I mean, if Michigan, Michigan and Ohio State, obviously, if they win out, they're in. Um, no, no. Well, they can't both win out. They oh, play each duh. Other. Sorry, duh. Sorry. So one of those guys is gone. That's the sad part. Yes. Because Oregon can somehow move in because they lost their first game of the season. Um, Ohio State or Michigan, if those guys went out except for that one game, right? Yeah. They uh, One of them's going to have one loss, and they'll be out. Even if they're a better football team than Oregon, they're going to be out because they lost their latest game, not the first game of the season. That's I, what I don't like. I think there's that, and I was saying that yesterday, but there's even more. Yes, if Oregon, if, if you, that scenario plays itself out, Oregon will be the Pac-12 champion, where the Michigan-Ohio State loser won't even play in the Big Ten championship game. Yeah. You know what I want to see? There is a way, and it's kind of complicated, but there is a way that LSU gets into the, 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 the top four. I'd love to see a two-win team in the top four. Two win or two losses? Two losses teams. Well, two win team. I'd love to see a two win team in the I'd love to see a two loss team uh in the final four <laughs> just to mess everything up because you know, there's still undefeated teams out there. There's one loss teams. But LSU, if they win out and I believe they need some help, right? Because Ohio State or Michigan, one of those guys is not gonna be there. Yeah. Uh, if Georgia loses, maybe depending on what the loss is, maybe they move down to four. There's a way that LSU can get in there. That would be pretty spectacular. They would again. They would have to win the SEC championship. Then they would right. have beaten Alabama and Georgia this month. That uh-huh. could help them. But still, again, no two loss team has ever gotten in. I, I hope it kind of happens that way as well. That, that's but that's why I look at it. And that's why it's interesting. No two loss team has ever won it, and all the experts say that that'll never happen, but it can happen this year. It could. I don't know if it will, but I think it could. And I, again, I don't. It's it's two ways of looking at it to me. Two losses when you're having a team in a Power Five conference versus a team that has either one or zero losses. I don't know if I would put them in there. There's got to be how you separate the team. The other way of looking at it is if they're one of the top four teams in the country and what they would have accomplished lately by those Tennessee wins. Uh, also, they beat Ole Miss earlier as well. Gave Ole Miss their only loss of the year, and they beat them by 25 points. 
so they beat them rather convincingly, uh, that it'd be, it'd be hard to keep them out. LSU only has Arkansas, UAB, and Texas A&M before the SEC championship game, if they get that far. Mm-hmm. And none of those wins are going to be very impressive now. A&M's done. Arkansas has fallen back a little bit. But if LSU beats Georgia in December, yeah, it'd be hard to keep them out. That would be fun to see how the committee sorts it out. Fun to watch. No, I don't think any Pac-12 team is going to get into the college football playoffs. But you have to be impressed with the improvement the Pac-12 has this year with Oregon, USC, UCLA, Utah. The Pac-12 has been pretty strong. It is. It probably is one of their strongest years in a while. I, something about USC, as good as they are offensively, their defense is really not too good. Still, they're a really good team, and they've only got that one loss, and that was the Utah one a few weeks ago. And if they were undefeated right now, it would be a whole different story. Yeah. I think I think Oregon's been the best team because that loss was in the first week of the year, and they lost to the number one team. They lost decisively. Seems like they've been getting better and better, and Bo Nix, uh, he might even be a Heisman finalist away. He's been playing lately, their quarterback. He's been playing a lot better than you thought, but Heisman finalist? I don't, I'd say he could be, yeah. The numbers he has put up lately? No, okay. Your Heisman finalists are going to be the best quarterback on the best team. Okay, so uh, I would say I would put Jared Stidham above Bo Nix. Jared no? Stidham, he's in the NFL right now. So uh, not Jared Stidham. What's the uh, – Stetson uh, Bennett. That's the guy for uh, Georgia, right? Yeah. Okay, so he's got to be in the conversation. Sure. C.J. Stroud is yeah. in the conversation. There's two. Hendon uh, Hooker, Hooker. Hendon Hooker is in the conversation. Maybe Bo Nix, but I don't know. It's 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 not the way the Heisman works, really. I mean, if you're talking Colt Brennan, oh, he's fifth or sixth, I believe. Maybe not yeah. a guy who's seriously considered winning the award. No, I didn't say winning it. I said he's got to be considered to be a finalist. I mean, he could be one of the top five or six guys. I mean, the way they've been playing lately. Well, what is a finalist? Invited to New York? Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's only they three. Don't invite six it's guys to, they don't invite six guys to New York. It depends on how the voting is. If, the, whoever, if they're close together, then they vote. When they, is it? When is it last time? I mean, a lot of times it's just sometimes it's just two guys. When Manti was two. there, it was just two guys, right? No, it was. No, no, no. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. it was just two. But there have been might three be three a couple guys. of times lately, yeah. It'd be three a couple of times, maybe four. But it's just, I don't know, it's a silly award to me nowadays. It's 16 minutes after the hour. We're going to talk more college football, I guess. Yes. Uh, coming up with Dan Wolken from USA Today Sports. Uh, today at 8 o'clock, it's the Rivals uh, Fantasy Football Show, brought to you by the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. And uh, it's coming up at 8 o'clock. We can help you with your fantasy team and give away some great NFL memorabilia. 8 a.m. Wednesdays on ESPN Honolulu. We're going to continue the college football talk right now here with Bobby Curran. Show we're going to talk right now with the national columnist with USA Today Sports. He covers college basketball. We'll focus on college football with him tonight as he joins us via the Aloha Kia hotline. It is Dan Wolken on the phone. Dan, good to talk to you again. And with the latest polls for the college football playoffs that came out yesterday, what was your immediate reaction? Yeah, I mean, I think it went pretty much the way – would have expected Georgia 
clearly the number one team right now. Uh, they're going to let the Ohio State Michigan thing play out the way it will in a couple weeks. Um, you know, TCU, I think, being undefeated, you, you have to have them in there. You know, don't want to predict that they're going to continue on this path necessarily, but uh, for right now, you know, they, they deserve to be number four, and Oregon is kind of creeping up. Uh, obviously a lot of uh, regard from the committee for what LSU's done lately. Tennessee, they even have a chance really to get in them. I think it would take so much help besides them winning out because they're not going to play in the SEC championship game almost certainly. Do they have any chance? Yeah, I, I, look, I think – if they're sitting there at 11 and one with the win over Alabama, and I think also a huge value for them is having the road win at LSU where they dominated that game, you know, they'll, they'll be an appealing contender, I think for the committee, but uh, you know, how do you factor that in versus teams that have won conference championships? I think that's hard to say. Um, you know, they're going to obviously hope that TCU loses uh, at least a game you know I think they would jump over TCU in that scenario would Oregon jump them I don't know because Oregon has got some opportunities late in the year to to put put some strong wins on the board Um, you know they both got blown out by uh, by Georgia although the Tennessee score looks a little bit better I don't know you know I I just think you can't count them out if they're 11 and 1 sitting there things are going to happen uh I don't. I don't think they're in terrible, terrible shape. You talk about TCU, and it's been noted, especially lately, that no Power Five school that has been undefeated has missed out on the fourteen playoff. If TCU runs the table, I know they have a tough Texas team coming up, but if they run the table, do, I, I would think they get it. But are they deserving? Because if you have an Oregon team with just that one loss and LSU with their big victories, are they one of the top four teams, or are they getting in because they're an undefeated Power Five champion? Well, look, there's no way you can, you know, totally compare when they don't play each other and all that stuff. But I think TCU, if they do go undefeated, would have enough quality wins that they would certainly deserve to to be in there. You know, now whether you you want to look at them and say, you know, are they really one of the four best teams in the country? I mean, that's fair. Uh, You know, they've had some games where they've looked a little shaky. They've had to come from behind. Uh, obviously, they've got a great uh, offense and, and maybe a bit of a bit of a shaky defense, um, but you do have to respect the results. And I think the results, uh, if they're undefeated, would would clearly put them in in that top four. We're talking college football. Our guest is Dan Wolken from USA Today Sports here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. How surprised are you, if at all, when you if you look back from September when the season started, that both Alabama and Clemson, neither of them apparently going to make the 14 playoff this year? Yeah, look, uh, this Alabama season will be talked about for a long time. Um, Going in, they were the number one team and the favorite. Uh, they, you know, have a generational quarterback in Bryce Young, but it's just on the field, they don't play well on the road for some reason. And they just, you know, they, they're not dominant in any particular area. And I, I would actually kind of shudder to think about what 
they would look like if they didn't have Bryce Young. And um, he, he covers up a lot of their flaws. And I think that's what we're seeing is they just have a lot of flaws. Um, so, you know, it's not a typical Alabama team. just isn't. And it's playing out on the field because they're getting in a lot of close games. And, and you don't win them all when you're in, you know, five or six close games per season. Um, with Clemson, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised the way it's playing out because – I just think looking at them in the preseason uh, had a lot of questions about their their offensive talent level. You know, they don't have the difference makers at at wide receiver like they used to. Uh, DJ Uyunglele has um, you know he he's he's been better this year than he was last year, but he's not in the Deshaun Watson, uh, Trevor Lawrence category. You know, they lose Brent Venables as their defensive coordinator. That's a downgrade, and it's made a difference. So. I'm just not that shocked really about Clemson kind of being, you know, good and they are good, but they're not, they're not elite. And um, I think you can kind of see that coming. Yeah. And the ACC, not as strong maybe as some of the other conferences. We were talking yesterday, Dan, about Ohio state and Michigan and the way the current setup is, it would be almost impossible for both teams to make the 14 playoff. Now when they expand the 12, it probably look a lot better or maybe easier for them but because they're in the same division. Is there any scenario where both of these teams could make it in? Yeah, again, same, same situation. You know, it's, it's, um, it's, uh, going to depend a lot on, on what happens in these other leagues. Um, I think the, the problem for Michigan is that um, they did not have a good non-conference win. Um, their schedule just did not shake out in a way where they um, had an opportunity to, to, to get a quality win on the board, and I think the committees penalized them for that uh, to some degree. Um, so I think they would have less of a chance at, at getting in in that scenario than would Ohio State, which uh, does have a win over Notre Dame, which is, is gaining in value as the season goes along. Uh, so I don't think it's likely, but I, I'm not ruling it out because, again, you know, there's just so many other things that are going to happen that, that play into the entire picture. I want to ask you a question because I follow you on Twitter, and I recommend everybody does to follow Dan, at Dan Wolken. You tweeted earlier about the Missouri football coach, Eli Drinkwitz, who just got an extension and a raise from $4 million to $6 million. They're still not 500. They are improved from maybe where they were, where they were closer to Vanderbilt than where they are now. But how, how do you justify that if you're Missouri giving a guy a $2 million a, $2 million a year raise? Um. You know, I guess they just think that uh, they can't really do any better from a coaching standpoint. You know that that Drinkwitz, um, you know, he, he's done pretty well in recruiting, and uh, you know, he, I, you know, again, this does not make him one of the highest paid coaches in the SEC. Even with the raise, he's still going to be on the lower end, and, and maybe it's just, you know, hey, if you're a head coach in the SEC, this is the salary range. Um, we're going to bring you in line with other people in that range. But um, I, I, I don't think you have to do it if you're Missouri because he's not going to go anywhere and he's not going to get another job and um, he's not really in demand. So, you, you know, these athletic directors and schools end up negotiating against themselves a lot of times. And, yeah, that's, uh, that's just the business model right now. It's not a great one. But uh, they'll probably, you know, in a couple of years, they'll probably be regretting that they did this. But 
just seems to be what people do. That seems to be trendy, that's for sure. Hey, one last quick question before we let you go, Dan. Who would you have, not only maybe the Heisman Trophy winner, but maybe a player or two that's really rising on the boards of late? Clearly, Bo Nix is uh, rising and and might might even be, I don't know if he's the favorite, but he's certainly one of them, which is amazing considering uh, what we saw from him at Auburn a few years ago. Um, It's... uh, you know, it's definitely been a transformation for him uh, going into that Oregon system and uh, playing for, for Dan Lanning and, and uh, Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator. They, they've really done a great job with him. And he's developed and he's making plays. He's, you know, runs the ball well and is, you know, I can't, like 22 touchdowns and, you know, three interceptions or something like that. I mean, he's just, he's, he's been on it all year long. So. Definitely a name to keep your eyes on. Well, we got a few weeks left before we'll have the playoff announcement, and then the bowl season will start. Dan, great talking with you again. Enjoy the rest of college football's regular season. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. National columnist for USA Today Sports covering college football and basketball, Dan Wolkin joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline at Aloha Kia. You know a guy. All right, I'm looking at, you know, if if Oregon wins out, right, uh, they've got uh, Washington coming up, uh, but Oregon's playing at home. They've also got Utah, Oregon playing at home, and then they go to visit uh, Oregon State. That's a rivalry game. If Bo Nix comes out and performs really well, that's great. But all it takes is one bad game, yep. and you're gone. So they've got – it's not, it's no, it's not going to be a cakewalk for Bo Nix to win that Heisman Trophy. And, again, I believe, I could be wrong, I often am, I believe if you're not in the college football playoff nowadays, you don't get a chance at winning the Heisman. It just doesn't work that way. Doc Blanchard is not walking through that door. (laughs) Although I I think, actually, they were really good. Uh, It was Army, right? Anyway, it's 632 with the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. Time for our bulletin board. And it's brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. And um, you can enjoy watching football, but if you're feeling buzzed, recognize your personal warning signs and call for a ride to get home. This message brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and ESPN Honolulu. Hope you're having a great morning. It's hump day with the sports annals. Remember, we got the uh, Rivals Fantasy Football Show coming up at 8 o'clock. You can text in your uh, questions for our expert. It's National Scrapple Day. Did you know that, Gary? I knew it was National Sunday Day. I didn't know it was National Scrabble Day as well. Wow, what a combo. Well, it's, it's not National Scrabble Day. It's National Scrapple Day, as I just mentioned. Oh. Hey, clean your ear. It's National Scrapple Day. Do you know what Scrapple is? Uh, no, I know what Scrapple is, but not Scrapple, no. Scrapple is the first version of Spam. I had no idea. You would think that we would know this here in Hawaii, that Scrapple is like Spam. It was created by the Pennsylvania Dutch. They made it from pork trimmings. Translation, mm. stuff you don't want to know about. It's mixed into a mush with cornmeal and spices, pressed into a loaf, sliced and fried. It's also 
the first pork dish that was invented in America. Scrapple. Enjoy your scrapple today. It's 638 with the sports animals and uh, Kyrie Irving is uh what is the latest in the uh the <laughs> yesterday was like the uh it celebrated the deba- debut of as the world turns something like 65 years ago or not started in 1965 as Kyrie turns like sands in the hourglass as Kyrie Irving turns what's the latest well the the most immediate thing that happened is that he had a meeting with Commissioner Adam Silver yesterday. No details on what took place, but it was Adam Silver who requested and really wanted to meet with Kyrie Irving. So we'll hear more about that in the next, maybe a little bit more of that next few days. But also what is kind of new is what took place over the weekend where the Brooklyn Nets gave him six conditions that he must meet before he is ever re- six. allowed six to return to the team. Here is Here are the conditions. He must apologize by posting a link to a documentary containing anti-Semitic material. He also must condemn the movie. That's all included in one item. Another one is he must make a $500,000 donation to anti-hate causes, and hopefully they would accept. Third one, <laughs> he, he must receive sensitivity training. Number four, Irving must take training to educate himself on anti-Semitism. Number five, Irving must meet with the Anti-Defamation League and Jewish leaders. Last but not least, Irving must meet with Nets owner Joseph Tsai to demonstrate his understanding of the issues. I have a feeling with his apparent stubbornness and not really willing to give in, I don't know if he's going to want to go to sensitivity training as an example. The money's not an issue shouldn't be an issue but some of the other things it doesn't seem like he when he stands his ground he stands his ground like it or not and i don't no, like it now i don't know that he sta- that that's true on the vaccination when he stands thing? his ground yeah, yeah the vaccination thing he stood his ground he didn't want to get vaccinated but his whole thing was i'm not doing it because nobody can push me around and then it was well i'm doing it because other people are out of work still stood he his ground st- he didn't give in he didn't. He didn't get a vaccination, but his yeah. reason for doing so, uh, and the same thing here. He changed his story halfway through. I mean, here's a guy who says, "I'm only going to get stronger because I'm not alone. I have a whole army around me." Yeah. Well, that that, that army ran for the hills. He, look, I think that Kyrie Irving is. They're going to just pay him his thirty-six million dollars this year, and let him go. This is last year of his contract. I think the the um, I think the Nets are just kind of kind of let him go, and I don't think anybody picks him up. I wonder when the trade deadline takes place in late February, I believe, if things cool down a little. Because they, they probably they, what you want to do if you're Brooklyn is trade him and get something back. And we know there's a team like the L.A. Lakers who are desperate for talent. I, from LeBron's comments last week, I don't know if they're going to be in a rush to get him, but I wonder if in a month or two, like a lot of cases, you know, people, people don't forgive and forget that much, but in time it might heal all wounds, so to speak. And I wonder if maybe they, they're they going to do everything possible to trade him if they can. He is what, an unrestricted guy, free agent. What's the guy, Donald Silver, what was the guy's name that owned the Nets? For the Nets? The, Not, uh, I'm sorry, the Clippers. Um, Clippers. Donald yeah. Sterling. What's the difference between what Donald Sterling said and what Kyrie Irving said? What's the difference? 
with Donald Sterling, I think it was a history of his acts, and they finally got him on something where they could oust him. I think he had a, he had a career of treating people uh, improperly. And I think that all added up, and they got him on a thing where you know he was using uttering racial remarks, and that's how they got him out. I think it was a little bit different. Uh, with Kyrie, this is obviously more than just a little hit of nerve, and there's so many people against him. Nobody, he, he, he's damaged goods right now. Nobody wants him, as you said. But in a few months, I wonder. I don't think Brooklyn's going to want him. You almost have to wash your hands from him now. They tried yeah. and tried and tried. Nothing's worked out. Another thing that you asked about the latest with him, this came out through an NBA scout through the New York Post, is that on October 29th, right before Steve Nash got fired, they played the Indiana Pacers, and in one game, Kyrie Irving blew off Steve Nash play calls 10 times in one game. That's according to a net scout? No, not a net scout, an, an anonymous scout. A veteran scout with the with years in both the Eastern and that, uh and the Western Conference, he said that, an advanced scout. So in other words, he's scouting the Nets because his team's going to play them soon. And he saw what they were doing, saw what Nash was doing, and, see, and Kyrie ten times in one game. It's one thing to do it once if you see something where you might, you know, you might have a better chance with this play that you see. You're doing it ten times, you're not respecting the coach. I think that's obvious. And okay. That's what the point or, is. Or is Steve Nash so bad that it's like 10 times during this game he called horrible plays. I had to switch it up to save us. It's either that or it's Kyrie. What we expect, what we suspect is Kyrie Irving doing the Kyrie Irving thing. You'll remember where he said, well, Steve Nash isn't the coach. Sometimes he's the coach. Sometimes I'm the coach. Sometimes Kevin Durant's going to be the coach. We're all coaches on this team. What a stupid thing to say. In other words, he has no authority over me. You know, he should by title, but I'm really the guy in charge. So let's I, – I don't see how even the Lakers and that community in Los Angeles would want somebody like Kyrie Irving. And when I say that community, um, you know, Los Hollywood, why you would want, right? Because oh, that's yep. what they're talking about. Yep. Why you would – you think that people would stand for Kyrie Irving to be a Laker? I would sure. I don't think that works out at all. I think that is a, that is a. And they're going to blame LeBron because they're going to say LeBron wanted to orchestrate the deal. There, it's that will that will have such a bad backlash on the L.A. Lakers that it, it'll make your head spin. I don't he, think he goes to the Lakers just because of that. Well, if they do it next week, of course, everything you said, totally, totally. If totally he does true. it in two months, if he does it in two months, they're not going to forget. If he makes amends and says over and over again how apologetic he is and, you know, anything along those lines and does the right thing, so. they want to uh-huh. win. Remember, they, they haven't had a winner in a while. And I understand that. I, I think even though there would be a certain fan base there that's not going to want him under any circumstances, there's probably also a lot of the fan base that would want him because he can help them win. Because right now they're, what, 2-9, and nine, and they could miss a playoff. They need help. He would be a great player for them. But you're right, today, no way. And I'm not saying in two months it would definitely work out, but I wonder if it could. So why would he be a great player for L.A. when he hasn't been a great player the last couple of years for Brooklyn? He has. Are you kidding? He's been unbelievable. How often has he played? Well, he he played, what, 50 games last year or something like that, maybe 40-something. That's my point. But but you you said he's not a good player. He's a great player. No, 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 no. Oh, he is when he decides to show up or when he's not injured or whatever the problem is. The guy's not going to play a full season for you, Gary. That's what I'm getting at. Uh, he's a great player. 
when he decides that the, 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 the planets are aligned right and today I'm going to come out and play. I don't want that guy on my team. What a distraction. You think the L.A. Lakers want all of that, too, as well? They don't want the distraction. Well they the, want his talent. Well, yeah. As well as the person he is. It's like saying you want somebody like Ty Cobb on your baseball team. I don't think that works. I don't know if he plays again for anybody after this season. I really don't. Well, and that's a good point, too, because there's some NBA general managers anonymously, again, that say they doubt he'll play in the NBA ever again, which I guess is a possibility. Right, that's what I've said. That's what I just uh, said. Wait, okay. What okay. I'm saying is that it's a possibility. I'm also saying it's a possibility that the Lakers, desperate for a winner, and if you watch what they've done over there, they'll do anything to get a star. There's not a lot of stars that might be available to them. Kyrie is one of them. He's won with LeBron before. If LeBron gets a seal of approval and they have a chance to get better because they're not better right now than they were last year, I right. think in time it could happen. And, you know, with the vaccination thing, that's why he missed a ton of games. Yeah, he took off games for personal reasons, which is awful. No excuse for yeah. that. But he hasn't done that every year. I mean, but again, he's still that great of a player. Star player, you overlook certain things of them just because you need that talent. Right. What star player has acted the way that Kyrie Irving has in the history of the NBA? Name one. Probably no one. But that, that doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. There you that go. So matter. you can't you, – don't put him under the blanket of star players act a little differently. This guy is a wackadoodle. Uh, we'll take uh, texts and calls, uh, too, at 808-296-1420. Remember, we've got Call the Coach tonight, 6 p.m., Ruby Tuesday, Moana Lua. They've got some pasta specials you're going to love. They've got uh, robot wait- waiters, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if they're waiters or waitresses. What robot servers robot servers at uh, Ruby Tuesday. Call the Coach with Timmy Chang tonight, brought to you by ESPN Honolulu. going to be sunny today high in the mid 80s trades up to about 17 18 19 miles per hour we saw also this morning i thought this was kind of interesting because we talk about sports betting and being legalized here in hawaii and why couldn't it why shouldn't it be california rejected uh the the propositions on the ballot yesterday for sports betting and those are for the apps and things like that. I, I, I'm surprised at that. I thought almost every state that has it come up has approved it because every year you see more and more states have legalized sports betting. For a state that size and the revenue it would give, first of all, uh, I, I wonder why the voters turned that down. And I, I would think maybe if more states around the country had legalized sports betting, it might not, maybe not put pressure, but maybe have the Hawaii powers to be also have it approved or put it on the ballot again and see what the voters think. So having a state that big like California not having it, it's surprising. When I see other states that are generating unbelievable amounts of revenue, the income they get from the sports betting, I, I still I don't understand why other states don't do it. All states don't do it. And, again, it seemed like it was headed in that direction. But I don't think, not that it would hurt Hawaii's cause, but it doesn't help Hawaii's cause when some states are turning it down. I, 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 there is a reason uh, that it was – voted down we can talk about this after you read the article but it was it was there's a there's a couple there's a couple of reasons there were two propositions proposition 26 and 27 they were turned down because of other uh gambling factions for example a proposition 26 allows casinos and and uh 
the uh, horse tracks there to offer sports betting in person. And so what this would do would make certain Indian tribes way more powerful than some people wanted them to be. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, Proposition 27, that was the one to have online and mobile sports betting for adults. But other large gaming, uh, I guess the reason why uh, that one didn't pass was because of, and that would have generated hundreds of millions of dollars. But there was a group against it, again, for political reasons. It wasn't because they didn't want gambling. It was because of who would benefit from the gambling. So when you say, I wonder why, that's why. The um, the, um, by the way, the Proposition 26, that's the one to have um, casino and dice games and roulette. Um, they were going to give a 10% tax to help pay for in the enforcement of gambling laws and programs to help gambling addicts. That one would have, I mean, they would have made a little bit of money, tens of millions of dollars estimated, as opposed to 27 that had hundreds of millions of dollars. But it was a, it was rejected for political reasons. Which is, isn't that why we don't have gambling here? Political reasons? From what we hear, the powers like that, like, like, I'm not sure if it's lobbyists or other powers in Las Vegas kind of influence the people here not to have legalized gambling so more people will go to Las Vegas and spend their money there. That's what we've heard over the years. And that's, a, to me, an awful reason why. I think still, I think people would still go to Las Vegas, maybe not quite as much. And people, if you want to gamble here in Hawaii, you can find a way. Uh, it's illegal, but you can find a way. So I think it's con- the connection of the political p- parts come into play. If that if it stopped in California, would it ever happen here? And I, I don't think it's ever headed it's headed that way anytime soon. But I, I think it's too bad. I think let the voters decide, and let's see. And again, in California, the voters did decide. In Hawaii, I wish they could decide here as well. Well, you let the it it, it matters. It doesn't matter even if they put a, uh, something on a ballot. The governor can turn that around. Uh, we had uh, people voted against same-sex marriage in Hawaii. Now, this is not a political statement. It's just a fact. They voted against same-sex marriage. Neil Abercrombie came out and said, yeah, that's not right. We're going to have same-sex marriage. So it doesn't even matter if we get if we vote on it. Somebody, one person, if they don't like it, can, turn, can just change the vote. That's too bad that it can play out that way. Too bad the voters just couldn't decide and somebody wouldn't say they want it this way or that way, even if the voters say something else. But that's why I think right. – I don't think – I wish it could be headed that way here. Uh, that lottery, all those things that could really generate a lot of money for the state and have people, you know, interested in something like that. Why, why can't they? I mean, when 48 states allow it, there's something to be said about that. Some form of legalized gambling. 48 states right. have it. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. Coming up in an hour, it's the Rivals Fantasy Football Show. Top headlines we're following this morning. Brittany Griner has been moved, unfortunately, to a penal colony. Uh, whereabouts unknown somewhere in Russia. Sounds so scary. 
not headed in the right direction with everything we keep hearing in her case. Thought maybe she would get the prisoner swap deal done or the America would, and uh, not looking that way anytime soon. Uh, let's see here. The uh, college f- uh, football playoff rankings are out. Georgia, number one. Ohio State, number two. Michigan is third. And TCU moves up to number four, all teams undefeated. And Tennessee and Oregon, one loss each on the outside at five and six. They both need to win out and get some help. But if those top four keep winning, I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I'd love to see uh, LSU as seventh. They're at seven and two. If they win out, including the SEC championship, and get a little help, they could be in, making it the first time a two-loss team would be in the uh, in the uh, top four. Now, it, there's a lot that's got to happen, but, hey, you say there's a chance? I think there's a chance. I think it's very low chance, but I think it is uh, possible. And from where they were at the beginning of the season, where people thought it was an awful hire with Brian Kelly, he has really turned things around there. They've done a really good job, especially in SEC play. Uh, Colton Wong got a raise. How about that? Yeah, they picked up his option. The World Series is over. All that stuff takes place as far as picking up options, signing your own free agent. A free agency will start soon, but he gets a million-dollar raise, I believe, to $10 million a year. I still think he's underpaid. He's about a 260 hitter, maybe 250 this year, right around there. But not even arguably, to me, the best defensive second baseman in the National League, if not all of baseball. And he's a mainstay on that team. He's not a power hitter, but he puts up big numbers at times, gets key hits, and he's a guy you want on your team. I think a lot of teams would love to have a Colton Wong on their team. What about other local players in Major League Baseball? As far as free agency goes, I mean, what's going on with these guys? I, Isaiah Hunter Falefa is an interesting one because he had a pretty good year for the Yankees, had a couple of defensive lapses and got benched in the playoffs, but there's talk that the Yankees might move on from him already. Uh, uh, Aaron Boone had to defend him in an interview last week where some people were critical of, you know, again, not making the routine plays. He's not known to be a power hitter, but he was a gold glove winner in Texas. And there's other shortstops that are free agents this year, but the Yankees have a couple of supposed studs in their farm system. And there is talk that he might not be back. It might just be a one-year deal for him being in New York, and I think that's surprising right there. I thought he would. I thought the way he was playing in the middle of the year, they were so high on him. But with the young guys in the minor league, they might be ready to move on. They need a guy who's going to be able to, to play defense a little bit better, apparently. So uh, I think that's one of the big ones. Kyrie Irving got sent to the principal's office. Meeting with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. I would have loved to have heard uh, – what really was taking place there. Aaron, uh, I don't know if it matters that Adam Silver is Jewish, but I'm sure even more so he was letting Kyrie know his feeling. I wonder what Kyrie's response is, because we know Kyrie does what Kyrie wants to do, doesn't really think he has to answer to somebody, but he does now if he wants to play in the NBA, and that was one of the first steps, meeting with the commissioner. All right, and uh, let's see, what else is going on here? Um, the University of Hawaii, of course, taking on Utah State. It's a home game. According to Coach Arnold Martinez, Utah State can be beat. They can be, but they've also been a hot team lately, uh, winning three out of four, four out of five, and they need to win this game if they want to be bowl eligible. They have three games left. They're four and five. They've got to go at least two and one. And they do have uh, uh, Boise coming up. It's going to be a tough stretch. And so, also, I don't think they have a chance to win the Mountain West Mountain Division. But bowl eligibility, as their coach Blake Anderson told us yesterday, is one of their goals. And they need to win this. And they've been a team that has had a lot of different starters. 
37 on the season, which is 12th most in the country. Hawaii's got even more than that. I think Hawaii's like fifth or sixth in the country with different players starting a game this year. They, they've got some talent on this team. It looks like a different football team than started the season where they had some really bad losses. But as Coach told us yesterday, they've got some injured players back, and they're finally yeah. getting a steady starting lineup there. So I, I think they can be beat. They are favored by 11, 11 and a half, but they're a team that's been playing pretty good football of late, kind of like Fresno State was last week. Yeah, and uh, they've been through like four quarterbacks this year. They have their guy back, their starter back as of last week. Uh, Lagos is the guy's name, even though the pronunciation guide says it's Lagos. <laughs> That's a typo. Right. Uh, uh, so we were calling, we were talking to the head coach Blake Anderson yesterday, and we kept referring to him as Lagos. And he's like, "Well, Lagos is pretty good." We're like, "Oh, it reads, it, it sounds just as you read it." Anyway, uh, um, Hawaii is we were thinking is not the same team that started take away new mexico state out of this equation that was just right. a, that was just a, a nightmare but you know a lot of football fans upset just because it looks like we took a step backwards against fresno state but that's what happens when you play a higher level of competition yeah, you're fresno not going state, to look yeah. as good against uh colorado you're going to look better against colorado state and even wyoming than you are against Fresno State. Yeah, Wyoming showed that they're a pretty good team, and they've been hot lately, and Hawaii was in that game, down by two touchdowns, did get that late score to make it closer. I think also with Hawaii, they're getting a lot of players back that weren't playing the last three games or so. Jonah Pinoke obviously stands out. Uh, Aliki Tanavasa, one of the offensive linemen. Also, Stephen Bernard Winter coming back. Nisha Gaia coming back. So they've got some players, Becky Pay coming back. Hopefully that will help. Um, and I know, again, they're not favored in this game, but Hawaii, I'm hoping they can end the season with his last three games on a high note, maybe steal a game or two. And I don't think it's that impossible that they can. I don't, I, I don't think that they're as bad as their record shows, although you can't really dispute it. But I, th- I think they've got some talent on this team that can maybe pull out an upset in one of these games. It's probably going to happen more so at home than against San Jose State in the last game. And you have UNLV coming in the following week. So hopefully they can get a win and hopefully a nice crowd there with uh, not many home games left, as we said. But Utah State coming in playing pretty good lately. All right. I think I said earlier that if all the four teams – I don't remember saying – I probably did – that of uh, – all the four teams in the college football playoff if they win out and somebody texted in uh what we were actually mentioning last hour is that they they're not all going to win out because michigan state plays ohio state but um thank you for your text um yeah just want to make that clear yeah and they'll play each other in a couple of weeks ohio state and michigan i i like that it's going to be not clear cut with the college football rankings. They're going to change every week. And yet last week, I didn't expect that to happen with Alabama and Clemson losing the way they did. But it, it makes it fun. I, I, you, you want to have drama on that Sunday in December when they announced the four teams in the playoffs and not know in advance who's going to be in it, which is kind of taking place every year. And uh, in the future, when we have the 12-team playoff, then you'll have an Ohio State and Michigan in for the most part, I would think, almost every year. But now it's either or, and I think that's unfortunate, as we kind of talked about that yesterday. Yeah, we were talking about uh, yeah, uh, a little while ago, California overwhelmingly votes no on sports betting. There were a couple of propositions uh, that were uh, not voted for, and, Gary, you were bringing up, you don't know the reason why, but we should be doing it in, you know, why don't we do it in Hawaii? 
And, you know, I, th- the way that these bills are written, too, it's, it, you know, there's, there was a bill that was written by uh, a polit- one of the politicians, somebody in the ledge, and they were looking at, and I don't know if this is the way they do it in other states like New York, but if you win, uh, you win $100,000, the proposal was for the state to get 55% of it. So imagine you winning $100,000 on a parlay, and you get 45 of it. You get 45000 of it. That's not what that means. That means that the, the, the gambling establishments that get your money, they're taxed on it. And they, I think no, every no, no, state no, 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 no. What I'm getting at is this is a proposal that's taxing not the vendor but the individual. That's the difference between this law and in New York. They also had something in New York back in February. I don't know if it passed. New York was proposing a 50% tax to the individual. So you can go to Nevada and win 100000 and then, you know, you get, you know, taxed by, by Uncle Sam. Or in Hawaii, 55%. There's different ways that this is, um, that this bill is, I guess, would have to be agreed upon. Because in California, they're not necessarily saying no to sports betting, but they're saying no to the bill on both propositions for different political reasons. So of the 33, there's, a, there's 33 states that have uh, legalized sports betting now. That's a lot. 33 states, they have some kind of regulated form of sports wagering. And... The reason you have sports wagering is you can make money off of it for for the state. The state will make money off of it. That's why for they make, well, you have you want it for schools or other right. projects, but you know you want to build a rail or something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I just think that it, you know our thought is obvious that um, look. Tourism is fine, but what did we discover during the pandemic? That our our islands are much better off without an extra couple of million people running around on it. Hanama Bay flourished while it was tourist-free. So the, uh, I mean, they've come up with uh, tourism campaigns where you come to Hawaii and you give back by planting and beautifying <laughs> the forests and, and things like that. I mean, that's... The situation we're in. So if we're dependent on tourism, which hurts our Aina, I think you got to have some, you got to point this in a different direction. And I think that's the argument you have for legalized sports betting in Hawaii. Like you say, people are betting anyway. Um, take 10% of it and give it to, uh, um, give it to a fund that helps people with addiction. Maybe. But I don't know that we can keep going on with just having tourists plunder the islands, so to speak. There's too many people. There's too many people. There's too many cars. So why a, a, a way to replace that money to get the economy rolling is sports betting. And I just think that it just makes too much sense. What do we know that 33 other states don't know? That's my question. Are we just smarter than 33 other states? 
I think it's the opposite. Are we just more stubborn? Yes. Are we dumb? There's certain good reasons for not having it, but I think the the good reasons to have it outweigh the bad. I'd love to get somebody to text in or call at 808-296-1420. Now, we wouldn't want people to bet on high school betting. Um, <laughs> it would, uh, you know, would, it, or would you be allowed to bet on University of Hawaii sports? That's something that you would have to kind of look into. There used to be a time in Vegas where you couldn't bet on UNLV, and now uh-huh. that is a lot, I believe, everywhere. So I thought that would come into play. And even if you couldn't bet on UH sports, you're still going to get a lot of revenue. You know, I've seen one article. Right. The National Council of Problem Gambling said 2% of Americans are vulnerable. 2%. That's not a very high amount. So if you're going to say it's going to hurt people's lives, they can find another way to hurt their lives, and they can find another way to gamble. I mean, it's just one area. But if you legalize it, again, it's kind of a win-win. People will make uh, – the state can make money. And I, I just think it's it's kind of foolish not to. And I really believe it's not that I didn't know why, but I just mentioned earlier. I think, we uh-huh. again, everything we've heard, and there's no definite proof to it, is that the Vegas politicians have influence uh, to not allow it here because they want to get the money that people might spend on legalized gambling here to spend I don't it think, in Las Vegas. I don't, think, I don't think that's the only reason. Now, there are um, <laughs> there are some states that aren't making a profit off of sports gaming nobody's talking about those states all we're talking about is look how much money new york made look how much money blank made there are states who did not make money so that's got to be brought into the argument as well it's 16 minutes after the hour we're going to talk some nba with scoop jackson coming up next here he's back on the show on espn honolulu uh thank you very much to uh, everybody who's uh, been coming to the big city diners uh for away games for rainbow warrior football uh thank you to our sponsors modelo especial and paradise beverages also coca-cola and diotani produce we do have one more where we'll be giving away a trip for two to las vegas courtesy of vacations hawaii speaking of las vegas uh that'll be coming up in a couple of weeks here on ESPN Honolulu. Don't forget, Rivals Fantasy Football Show coming up at 8 o'clock this morning. Weather-wise, it's going to be nice and sunny today, high in the mid-80s, trades up to 20 miles per hour. And it's been way too long since we've had our next guest on our show. We're going to talk some NBA right now as we are joined. You read his work from ESPN.com and other places. Scoop Jackson with us via the Aloha Kia Hotline. Scoop, thanks for coming on again. Let's get your thoughts on everything involving Kyrie Irving. Mm, That's a good question. Uh, We're still in the middle of his suspension, so... um... It's going to be interesting to see how this follows up and what the Nets decide to do. Um, you know, if, if they put those demands in place that he has to feel whether he's filling the demands, what's going to happen moving forward with the relationship with um, he and Josiah. You know, it's, it's I'm, I'm like you all. Are. We're kind of in a holding pattern. We don't know what's going to happen. Nothing has really changed over the last week or so. Um, the thing that I'm, I think, most interested in is what's going to happen moving forward. Um, you know, five days, but there was an open-ended five days. Um, The fact that it's been reported that he, quote-unquote, ghosted the owner, 
I don't know how well that's going to sit with the owner right. uh, at that period of time where you don't respond to, you know, whatever forms of communication the owner reached out to try and get in contact with you. Um, I, I don't know how that works moving forward in their relationship, but we don't know what's transpiring right now. Nobody really knows what's happened this week. And we shouldn't really know if you really think about it. You know, that should be between Kyrie and organization and ownership. And uh, hopefully, you know, in the next couple of days, in the next week or so, they'll make a statement to either say that the situation remained the same and we're going to continue the suspension or the situation over the last five, ten days, we've reconciled, we've gotten better, we got some greater understanding, we got into a better place, and, you know, Kyrie's going to do this, that, and the other. And, you know, so – I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, you're asking me my thing of all things Kyrie, and like right now we're in limbo. You know what I'm saying? So we really don't know. I really don't know what to really speak on because because we don't know what changes have been made. We don't know what's occurred over the last couple of days. I would think right now he's got to be considered damaged goods. Anyway, we don't know everything that's going on behind the scenes, but do you think there's right. a chance of the future that a team like the Lakers, who are in desperate need of an upgrade at that position, would maybe try to still work out a trade for him? See, I was thinking the same thing, and my son and I had that conversation, uh, whether or not the Lakers would be an organization that would be interested in doing something because they have, uh, they have a player that they can swap basically at the same salary um, that they're having trouble fitting in. Um, it's really just a matter of this to me. Um, how's KD about playing with Russ again? Because it's not like they ended on the greatest terms when they left each other in Oklahoma City. And how's LeBron with playing again with Kyrie? And because we know they didn't leave on the best of terms when they left, you know, when the situation separated itself in Cleveland. So I think that has to be discussed um, because it's a two-in thing. It's not just a Russ for Kyrie situation. You have the two centerpieces of each organization from a basketball standpoint that are half going to sign off on this because of past relationships that they've had with the players involved in the trade. So on surface, it looks like it's something that could happen, but, you know, we don't know because, you know, if, if LeBron's like, no, nah, I'm not trying to play with this dude again, or KD's like, no, nah, I'm not trying to play with this dude again, you know, then it's not going to happen. Is there a chance he never plays in the NBA again? One anonymous general manager has suggested that. It depends. Once again, that's why it's hard to comment on what, you know, what can happen in the future because we don't know what's happening right now. I think all of that is predicated on what's going on right now because right now, as it stands, we don't really know because I can hear one general manager saying that, but if five days from now, you know, Nets ownership, Kyrie, they have a press conference, say, hey, this is what we did, you know, Blasi, this, that, the other, you know, it's like, okay, well, if one owner is, like, cool with it and he went through it with him but he's cool with it but there's still some talk about trying to move him then fine but if it's not then owners usually line up with owners like well no i think if he if you know josiah couldn't get down with it and i'm, I'm not going to cross that ownership line that you know that that brotherhood that usually aligns itself with ownership and nah then, then he's damaged good he's toxic we're not going to deal with it you know so i i really don't know i just think that any conversation we have of what can happen in the future is premature because we don't know what's happening right now. But I will say this, though. I will say this, that there 
are probably, depending on the situation, owners that will at least investigate looking at getting Kyrie on their roster if things do not work out with the Nets. But the only thing that's going to be problematic is whether or not he's going to be able to be on the court. Not from what's happening right now, but from a playing standpoint. Like, uh, can we? And, and I don't know how you're going to get a guarantee from Kyrie to say, hey, you know what? I'm all in with just playing basketball right now. You know, and that's, that's going right. to be the hard thing, I think, for owners to deal with because if we really look at this situation right now, it's really as, as big as it has become in the larger scheme of basketball, it's really a microcosm of what you have to deal with with Kyrie Irving. And just when we thought, all of us thought that, hey, okay, you know what? The pandemic's behind them. The social activists, the, the protests, the reckoning is behind them. Everything seems to be looking at, you know, he didn't get the contract he possibly or they said he wanted, so he's playing for one year, so he's playing for his future. All that's behind him. What we're going to see right now is Kyrie Irving commit himself to basketball in New York, you know, and, and, and New York Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, for this season. And now this comes up. So if you're an owner, you're like, okay, is anything else going to come up? Because even if he gets this behind him, but the Nets are like, we can't continue this relationship, where's my guarantee that something else is not going to come up? Because I'm not looking at this as an isolated incident. I'm looking at this as the last three years of his basketball career. Is he ever even going to be on the court? That's what owners are going to wrestle with. So I don't want to get it twisted that we're sitting up here talking about owners like, okay, well, this last situation is the make-or-break situation. No, when you're collecting somebody's contract, even if it's for a year, what you're worried about in looking at the last three incidents that have come up that have caused them to not play basketball, you're like, why am I investing in this, even for a season, without a guarantee? And I don't know how you're going to get a guarantee because nobody knows what's right. going to be next. All right. Tough situation. Now, we're talking the NBA with Scoop Jackson from ESPN.com on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. The Lakers, how do they get this bad? I mean, I know Russell Westbrook wasn't a good fit, although he's actually playing pretty good so far this year. But at 2-8 and eight and losing to some bad teams, it just seems like they're not going to get over that hump. What do you see in their future? Um, I thought – well, here's the thing. I thought I would see – one, a more sense of urgency in their play. And I don't think they're playing bad basketball. They're just losing games. And sometimes those are two different things. But I thought I would see more of a sense of urgency. And I understand Russ is not the greatest fit. But, you know, the one thing that he was that a lot of the other players weren't last year, he was at least available. <laughs> so with availability coming back into play, and it's partial availability because, you know, Anthony Davis is not is still missing games you know, to a certain degree. And that's what you kind of need to build off of. So not only are we dealing with whatever nonsense or urgency they have, we're still dealing with continuity and chemistry on the court. But the one thing I think that I didn't expect to see, that I see to be the fault line and everything, and even though Darvin Hamm has not playing and making some type of commitment to defense, which we kind of didn't see last year, I don't know where their shot selection or their shot mentality became so bad. And this is what is killing me about the Lakers, is that you all know, you all are not, and, and it's been publicly said, and LeBron caught whatever hate or whatever, you know, shade or whatever for making a comment saying we didn't have any snipers on the team. You all know you all don't have shooters. 
you all know you don't have like the Rex Chapman, you know, or the Danny Greens on your team anymore. They did. There are no long-range shooters really on your team, and that's what they specialize in. Yet, and I'll keep going back to game two on this, you know this. You know the makeup of your team. But yet and still, in the second game of the season, you all decided to shoot 45 three-pointers. <laughs> 45. And this has been their norm in the first 10 games of the season. Well, not what they're shooting 45, but they're shooting a high volume of three-pointers. And it's, I think it's in the 25, close to 30. Here's the thing. Miami has Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. They're averaging like 12 three-pointers a game. Why the hell are the Lakers taking damn near 30 a game and they don't have either one of them on their squad? <laughs> right. So if you really look at it, that's where the problem with the Lakers are. It's in the decision. And his, keep in mind, it's not like they're taking 120 shots a game. So it's not like the three-pointers that they're taking are under 50%. They're averaging, I think, the last time I looked, were like 93 shots a game. And you're, you know, and you're taking 45, well, at least that game. They shot 91 shots in that game, and they took 45 threes. That, is, that makes no sense. And I get Darvin Ham getting them to commit to defense, but where is that mentality coming from that we need to keep shooting? And I know the NBA is going to that, you know, to that phase of the game where threes – uh, everything and all things three. But if you don't have the personnel to do it and that's not what your thing is, I don't understand why this particular team is forcing that or even has that mentality. And, it, and they're continually displaying that mentality in every game they play. So until they change that, and I don't see that changing because if they haven't caught on to that in 10 games in, 12 games in, you know, what's going to make it come in at, you know, 25, 30 games in? When's it going to kick in before All-Star break, before the trading deadline? How do you reshape a team's entire way of thinking? It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a while, and it's amazing how far they have dropped over the last couple of years. Scoop, great having you on the show again. Hopefully it won't be so long before we have you on again. We love talking the NBA with you. Anytime. I appreciate it, fellas. Thanks for calling. Uh, all right. Thank you. That was Scoop Jackson from ESPN.com joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. See ya. And a Kia. And he's right about the three-point shooting. I have brought that up over the last year or two. I have so many teams, so many teams in college and the NBA just shoot way more threes than they used to. And just because I guess they're easier to take as part of it, where you can get the shot off. Also, it's just a trendy thing. And, you know, everybody wants to be Golden State as well. But the Lakers have not been that team. Although the other night on Monday, they only took 24 threes, but they only hit nine of them. That's not good either, so they are a mess right now. We've got some more basketball talk, a lot more football talk as well, coming up with the Sports Animals on the Bobby Curran Show, ESPN Honolulu. Rivals Fantasy Football Show coming up in 22 minutes. Gary mentioned that we're going to have more sports talk. Go for it. <laughs> well, the NFL will continue, of course, this weekend, and a couple of teams are off in Baltimore, Cincinnati, Jets, New England. I, I'm looking at the standings. Every week I get not really amazed anymore, but it's just so interesting how the powerful teams like Green Bay and Tampa Bay, who I thought probably would meet for the NFC Championship game, as maybe the Rams in the picture, those three teams right now might not even make the playoffs. 
it's, it's just really incredible that they haven't been able to turn this around at all. I don't think Philadelphia is going to remain undefeated, although their schedule there's a couple of tough games in there, of course. Still have some tough division game. I would love to see Atlanta make it in the NFC South, and I actually think they have a chance to win that division now. Tampa Bay, even though they did win last week, is just not a very good football team right now. New Orleans and Carolina, enough said. Uh, but at Atlanta, that would be an incredible story if Marcus Mariota can get into the playoffs there. Green Bay, I think they're done. After what took place last week, losing to Detroit the way they did, I just don't see how they're going to be able to turn it around. They didn't get help at the trade deadline. They thought they had Chase Claypool. And then you look at the NFC West, Seattle. Seattle was supposed to be the last place team in that division without Russell Wilson. Uh, And why aren't they? uh, I think it's because Pete Carroll is a great coach, and they've got a good running game, uh, good offensive line, and that quarterback's not too bad. He had Geno Smith is a big part of it. He he, he deserves MVP votes. He, as of right now, he would definitely get MVP votes. He wouldn't win it, but he has been incredible for them. I, I am very, very surprised. I don't think too many people saw that coming. I mean, they're a team in, a, in what was supposed to be a very tough division, and I still think it is pretty tough. I, you know, I think the Rams are better than their record. I don't know about Arizona, but they're a different team with DeAndre Hopkins. But how does Seattle lead that division and basically have like a one-and-a-half game lead right now? That that I don't I didn't think Minnesota was going to lead their division. If anybody would have told you in early September that the four division leaders in the NFC were Philly, Atlanta, Minnesota, Seattle, no way, impossible. Let alone one of those teams leading their division to have all four. I like it again. I, I like when things don't go according to chalk, according to how they're supposed to play out. And this year, right now, is showing that. The, I mean, how how do some teams fall that quickly? And, I, I mean, I, I don't believe in the Super Bowl hangover a curse that much, but the numbers in history have shown that, at times, a team that wins or loses the Super Bowl will have a tough time the following year. And the Rams are showing that right now. Uh, but look at the other teams in that division. Yeah. Green Bay, Tampa Bay. How could they be so bad? And the Other teams, teams in right? the other teams in the conference, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys are behind the Philadelphia Eagles. They're 6-2. and two. They lost the games. Um, I believe though, was it the first game of the season? They lost the Dallas. Okay. The the Dallas is a different team to me. Dallas can challenge the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, not only just because they're rivals and and all of that. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys defense and Dak Prescott is hot. They've got the running game. CD lamb is who we thought he was going to be when he got drafted. Don't look at the two losses. Don't be surprised by that. They're real. Are the New York Giants real? I don't think so. I, I, I'm not a total believer in the Giants yet. But, um, yeah, there's been a number of disappointments and surprises um, this year in the NFL. And probably one of the biggest are the Las Vegas Raiders. They're, they were on the they were on an, they were on they were on, they were on an uphill uh, swing, if you will. I mean, the Raiders, there's just no excuse. I don't know how Josh McDaniels is going to be the coach next year. With all of that talent and bringing in Devontae Adams, doesn't make sense to me. 
You bring in Chandler Jones as well. Yeah, they are surprising. And he has been mentioned as being on the hot seat. They were just on the cusp. They made the playoffs last year. Excuse me. They lost to Cincinnati in the yeah. first round. They are a big disappointment. But, I mean, there's a few teams that are. I mean, I don't think the Chargers are a disappointment. They were I kind do. of a trendy pick. Five and three is not that bad. I, You know what? I, But I'm not just going – my conversation is not about win-loss records. The San, Di- the San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers, in many people's minds, were Super Bowl favorites. They were talking about the Chargers the way that people are talking about the Bills. Now, they lose to the Jaguars. Um, people probably penciled in the Seahawks game as a win. They barely beat the Falcons. That's what I'm getting at. No offense, Marcus Mariota, but they barely beat the Falcons, who I believe I love Marcus Mariota, but the Falcons are kind of doing it with smoke and mirrors right now. Yeah, yeah. It's not a complete team. It's a horrible defense. Um, Marcus Mariota even admitted today he's got to get the ball to Kyle Pitts. You got you have a guy that was a star last uh, tight end last year, and he's got half the yardage in receptions this year with Mariota as quarterback. Now you can't blame. Marcus Mariota for the play calling because they're play calling this team for Corderell Patterson. This is a rut. They'd run the ball. seems like more. I don't have the stats in front of me than they pass the ball in Atlanta. Marcus Mariota is used as a running weapon as well. This, uh, this is a, a team that doesn't throw the ball necessarily down the field a lot. Some of that is on Marcus Mariota and he admits it. I'm going for the safe play instead of throwing the ball down the field. Just admitted it yesterday. So what I'm getting at is the the Chargers were supposed to be a lot better than this. They've had some key injuries, though, as well. You lose your left tackle, that hurts. And Slater went down over a month ago, I think. Uh, right. Well, look, everyone's got injuries, though. Tampa Bay's got injuries. The yeah. Indianapolis Colts have injuries. All these people have injuries. But I think, but that is part of it. C.J. Jackson is out for the year. They've had a couple of them, and, but again, it's not like they're having a bad year. They're five or three. I, I don't, I don't know who had them as a Super Bowl favorite when you had Buffalo and Kansas City, though, in the AFC. I, I'm just le- reading the hype leading into the leading into the ste- uh, um, leading into the season. I had them. I was believing the hype. I was saying it's going to be the Chargers. We probably had that conversation in the uh, beginning of the year, who we thought were Super Bowl favorites. When now we should be. We should be talking about the Philadelphia Eagles or the Dallas Cowboys. I still believe in the San Francisco 49ers. And then on the AFC side, you know, we should be talking about, well, it's hard without Tannehill, I believe. Is he still hurt next week for the Tennessee Titans? But, the uh, you know, it really comes down to the Chiefs and the Bills. And I'm going to throw the Miami Dolphins in there as well. I will, too. I think, again, with Tua healthy, they're a playoff team. They're definitely a playoff team, and I wouldn't include the Jets in there. I think they'll come back down to earth a little bit. How about that Tennessee-Kansas City game, though, on Sunday? Malik Willis is the quarterback. The game goes to overtime. I think he threw 16 passes. It might have been 15, 16 passes the entire game. It was a different. It was the biggest disparity in what one team threw, and I think Mahomes threw 56 or 58 passes, and what the other quarterback threw. It was a 42 differential, differential there. That, it's, it's, it's hard to do a game where you're only throwing the ball 16 times, and especially when you have overtime on top of that. Uh, but Tannehill was still out, and yet they were leading that game in the fourth quarter as well. I, I, I think um, 
Cincinnati's a team you got to watch as well. Even though their record doesn't show it, five and four. They, I mean, they, I don't think it was a fluke last year. I know their offensive line is still pretty messed up, and Jamar Chase is out right now. But I think that's a team I'd watch out for. They're only a game in back of Baltimore as well. Yeah, I, I don't know I don't if they know. make it as a wild card, but I wouldn't be surprised if they overtake Baltimore. You know, that's a big play offense. If they don't, if you can hold, if you can take away their big play, Cincinnati is not a threat on offense. That has been proven this year, and that's kind of the problem the Bengals have. But anyway, I, I, I you know who I'm going to keep my eye on. I'm going to keep my eye on Justin Fields, the Offensive Player of the Week, and the Chicago Bears. They're three and six, but boy, you know, I would love to see if the Chicago Bears just go old school and have a third running back or another a second running back on the field with Justin Fields. Just take off and run for 170 yards if you want to win. That's interesting to me. All right, it's 7:47. We're the Sports Animals. This is the Bobby Curran Show. At eight o'clock, it's the Rivals Fantasy Football Show. The Zephyr Insurance text line is open for you at 808-296-1420. And we'll get into that coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Kachi Kachi Music Makawao. Where the children love to sing And the music joy it brings Everybody does their thing Play the music up in Makawao Where the ladies love to dance And the men they take a chance With the sweetness of romance Everybody get together They clap their hands and sing this song now How's it? It's the Sports Animals here. This is ESPN Honolulu. And uh, I guess breaking news, uh, I, I, this is surprising news to me because it happened so fast. The uh, hapless Brooklyn Nets have hired Jacques Vaughn as their new head coach. Now, he was the interim head coach eight days ago. And since he did such a spectacular job of having a two-win and two-loss record, they made him the head coach. Well, he's been with the organization for a while. He was the interim coach a few years ago when Kenny Atkinson was fired. He's been a head coach in Orlando. It's not surprising. I think the Ime Udoka rumors that came out last week where it was definite that he was going to be hired really died down. And especially after the Kyrie situation, I think the Nets realized you couldn't go that route, at least not right now. So I think it's a smart move to have Jacques Vaughn not being an interim coach and the head coach. But I do wonder how the season plays out if he's still going to be there next year. You know, I, I mean, they, really? Not, yeah, I mean, wow. let's say let, let's say they don't That's let's say they don't make the playoffs. I wonder if they'll if they'll make a change. So why would they make him the? Uh, why not just leave him as interim head coach and make the decision after the season? Well, why would you the, have the guy for part of a? Well, it's almost a whole season as your head coach, and then look for somebody else. Because last week he was told it's on a day-to-day basis that he was going to be the coach. So now at least you're letting him. I mean, I was almost waiting for the statements, the release date to say that it's at least for the end of the year. But they're not saying permanent. They're not saying for the end of the year. They're just saying he is their head coach. And, again, okay. as of right now, he's going to be there for however many years are left in his contract. I just think, again, if, let's say they don't make the playoffs with the talent like a Durant. You don't want to waste that on with a coach who's not going to make it. I'm not saying they're not. I just don't know if he's still long-term, but I think it was a smart move. Uh, the players seem to like him. He's had some experience, and you had to get rid of Ime Odoka even before the Kyrie Irving deal. You had so much negativity around this team and all the bad yeah. 
aspects of hiring him with female employees. I think it was a mistake at the beginning when it was definitely said that he was going to be there within the 24 to 48 hours. So I think it's a smart move to go with Jock Vaughn right now. It gives them a little stability. It gives them also a chance to um, not constantly have the wrong thing happen to them or negativity mentioned and being associated with everything mentioned with the Brooklyn Nets, which has been the case of late. Yeah, and it's it's it seems bad. Joe Sy doesn't see the owner doesn't seem to be like a bad guy, right? Wow. You we you've told us stories about the Knicks and other owners <laughs> in the league. They're just you know they're Daniel Snyder's. I mean it's just they're not not good people. So Kyrie Irving is out and left with the Brooklyn Nets. You have players like Kevin Durant. Ben Simmons has not been the guy, uh, at least yet. Who he was, who he was, when he last played for even Philadelphia. I mean, what is he averaging? Six points and two rebounds a game, or something like that. Yeah, they were they were supposedly looking to trade him for a specific shooter from the Western Conference, and that deal fell apart. I really wonder who that player was. Right. Uh, it wouldn't have been a Jay Crowder. He's not a shooter, and he's on the trading block. But there was talk last week that they were still considering, strongly considering trading him. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets traded. He, he's not the same player. Now he's saying he's healthy, no restrictions. He can go all out. Right. Eh, I'll he, believe he it was, when I see it. Yeah, he was saying that he had a, a swollen knee, but now that's better. But, well, yeah, um, that's, again, that's just a bad move by the Brooklyn Nets. Why would you bring in Ben Simmons to get, get rid, rid of, of James Harden? James Harden, that's the only reason? Well, no, there was still hope that he was – I mean, when they acquired him, he was a really good player. Again, he's been a couple of uh, all-stars a couple of times. He's a very good defensive player, just can't shoot. Any, you know, he obviously ended his tenure in Philadelphia on a really bad note. But right. if you're going to get rid of James Harden, you want to get something good in return. And at the time, again, I didn't think it was necessarily so, guaranteed he was going to be that good, and he hasn't. So who's going to who are you who is going to trade for Ben Simmons, knowing that the guy's a plug and he's washed up already at such a young age? You might be stuck with him. We can talk more, but we've got the Rivals Fantasy Football Show coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Now, Rivals Fantasy Football on ESPN Honolulu. If you want one piece of fantasy advice and you remember one thing from the Rivals Fantasy Football Show today is pick up Case Keenum as your quarterback. I really, really hope that's not necessary, but it might not be a bad thing. The reason I say that, and you know why, because I've got Josh Allen. And oh, I don't know why. That's a question we'll have to find out. He does have that UCL injury. It's just a matter of, right now he's listed as questionable for Sunday. And from a fantasy perspective, that big difference in having Josh Allen versus almost anybody else. Josh Allen with a bad week for him last week, still at 24 points. The week right, before, part of, but part of the reason, I don't remember when the injury was. He couldn't throw after he got hit, though. So, I mean, if that's your fantasy starting fantasy quarterback, are you getting the real Josh Allen, or are you getting, you know, Josh Allen with a hurt wing? 
for now, yeah, 24 points last week is almost a little low for him, but I'll take it. But you're right, looking ahead, uh, even if he's going to play, I wonder how effective he will be. Uh, he ran for two touchdowns last week. That's really how he got his point, not from the passing game, as you mentioned. How about this, though, Chris, looking at quarterbacks in the NFL? I, I, I had to do a double take when I saw this last night. Justin Fields, who you were talking about earlier and how oh, good yeah. he looked. In the last four weeks, he is the, he's the QB1 of fantasy football. Right. Not just last week, four weeks in a row from weeks five through nine. That's right. crazy. It's the quarterback. He's design, he's he, he's uh, a, a quarterback that is is really a running back. I mean, you have a running back that has 178 yards. You're going to score a lot of fantasy points. Too bad he's probably uh, he's been uh, he's been he's been gobbled up months ago. And that's one of your that's one of your situations where fantasy is not reality justin fields i'd love like again earlier i was mentioning i'd love to see him continue this because it's just interesting to me that uh, you're going total old school i mean you're going 1948 football just give the quarterback the ball and block for him um i mean it's kind of uh, it's like uh, james harden it's james harden football give it to one guy and everyone get out of the way <laughs> Look at it's Luka Doncic football, but I love it. I want to see if it works. I don't want to see the NFL actually go to this as a regular thing. But in this case, if that's the only way the Chicago Bears can win, that'll be fun to watch. I'm kind of glad for him because I've been one like many who have said, you know, not that he was a bust necessarily, but he didn't, you know, live up to some of the hype coming out of Ohio State in the NFL earlier, but he has no offensive line. We know the coaching changes. Right now, you mentioned 1948 a second ago. Well, that's how many, like, not averaging 1948, but Justin Fields is averaging 19 points a game in fantasy. He is seventh in PPR leagues right now. That's quite a step up. I don't know how many people would have predicted that even two weeks ago. So you got to give him credit. And, again, last week was a big reason why I think he had, I don't know if it was over 35 points, but he had a monster fantasy week with those rushing yards and a 61-yard touchdown. But, again, it's four weeks in a row, the number one quarterback in fantasy. That I, I, I thought it was inaccurate, but I've seen it several pl- uh, places mentioned uh, reading up on that. So if you, if you have a decision to make where I would think if you, have just, if you had Justin Fields as your quarterback on your fantasy team, let's say a month ago, going into the season, you had two quarterbacks. I don't know how many times you would have started Justin Fields back then. Now I think mm-hmm. it's a no-brainer. Obviously, when you look at those numbers he's putting up, you got to go with him. And I did check in our league just to see if he might be available. For some reason, he's not. I don't know who has him. But, yeah, I don't think he was the guy that started every game for some team in fantasy because of what he did early on or what he was pre- perceived that. He has really opened up eyes, just like a Geno Smith that you said earlier well, as well. And I think that the Chicago Bears realized, okay, this guy can't really throw the ball yet. And I say yet because I think he can get there. Other quarterbacks have, a la Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson, right? So I yep, believe yep. – I mean, there was an article last week, or maybe it was a week before, about he has the highest ceiling of all of the quarterbacks in that draft class uh, from from 2021. And that includes Trevor Lawrence, who has been poor, Zach Capono-Wilson, poor, <laughs> Trey Lance, they tried, uh, Mac Jones, ceiling-wise, I don't know if that's the guy, Justin Fields, there's still hope. For Justin Fields, uh, as far as being a star quarterback, and right now he's a star fantasy player, which is better than being a bust at both. 
Yes, and I, I wish the Jets would have taken him back then instead of number two with, with uh, Wilson, as you said. You, but you look at, you know, the team hasn't really had a great bunch of receivers, but he's putting up these numbers, and a lot of it well, running, Allen Robinson, he was supposed to be a great receiver. Yeah, I think part of that was the offensive line not doing the job, and that's why they weren't able to click offensively in really any area. you got Mooney right now, I guess, at their number one. But and still, he's, he's, he's good. He's, he's okay fantasy-wise. And they got Chase Claypool. So now they got a guy, you know, I, I, I like that move because they look like a team that was unloading, you know, getting rid of Ro- Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn, but they pick up Claypool. I don't know how his fantasy numbers are going to be moving ahead, but I think they've got a brighter future than they had before. And even though three and six is not a great year for the Bears, it might be better than what some people thought. And they're tied with Green Bay. They're tied with Green Bay, which isn't all bad. But Justin Fields, again, if you do have him on your roster, you're aware of the points he is putting up, especially of late. He would be a guy to go to. I think there's another surprise quarterback in fantasy rankings right now in PPR leagues on where they are, and it's the number six quarterback. I would not have expected Kyler Murray with the Arizona lack of success, and I know they didn't have DeAndre Hopkins and all the -the off-the-field stuff with him, but he is number six in fantasy. He's averaging over 20 points a game. Yeah, the guy guy can run and throw, and um, now as far as real football goes, you know, it was, he was the reason they lost, but that doesn't show up in fantasy. Right, right. This is a team that I still I still think it's true that hasn't scored a, a touchdown in the first quarter this year. They went like their first six games, Arizona did, without even scoring a point in the first quarter. Then they got a couple of field goals in game. Their offense is not there. And, again, no DeAndre Hopkins for the first, was it four or six, six weeks. Now they got him back, and you see what he can do. But Kyler Murray, that's, that's the separation I think maybe you were talking about earlier, where you see teams and how quarterbacks do overall, but then you look at it as a fantasy perspective, and Justin Fields, Kyler Kyler Murray doing a really, right. really good job. In other words, if I had my choice of quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, I would not choose Justin Fields or Kyler Murray. If I had my choice of fantasy quarterbacks, I would be considering them uh, very, very much. Here's a guy, a quarterback, that is not who many thought he was, is Tua Tagovailoa, fantasy-wise. Doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. Uh, throws, you know, three touchdown passes a game. Over 200 yards, uh, Tua's the real deal. Now, we talk about Tua being the real deal for the Dolphins. Fantasy-wise, Tua's the real deal. Yeah. I wish I picked him up, but I didn't pick him up on purpose just because everyone would be like, oh, you homer. We had Lance Tominaga, a good friend of ours, wouldn't one year Lance in fantasy football just pick all the Hawaii guys? Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> I mean, it's the reason I have Kaimi Fairbairn, but, I mean, he's a kicker. Come on. And, he's and not actually, Fairbairn's not doing bad at all in fantasy. I believe Tua was waived in our league, and I forget who waived him. It might have been Josh. I Probably would have got hurt. And uh, Yeah, and then he was picked up by somebody else, and he's averaging just about 20 points a game. How crazy is it, though, when you just look at the quarterbacks in fantasy football and you see a Russell Wilson at 21, uh, 21 ranking at 15 points a game, Matthew Stafford at 24th with only 12.7 a game, uh, Aaron Rodgers at 15th only averaging 14.7, Tom Brady, I mean, these are the best players. Tom Brady's only averaging 15.3. I mean, the great quarterbacks really quickly. Brady had, what, 5,000 yards just a year ago. And we know there's reasons the injuries on the offensive line, and you lose uh, you lose Gronk. 
and other wide receivers have been out either with a suspension or mostly injuries, but it's really something to see the turnaround in fantasy football quarterback where you're going to have the Mahomes and Josh Allen at the top, but the right. Kyler Murray and Justin Fields, nobody expected. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Well, that's what I was mentioning. Yeah, he's averaging only 14.7. He's having a really, really tough year on the field and with fantasy on the field, of course, both uh, really, really struggling there. I, I think. That's How about really... Derek Carr? How's Derek Carr doing? The team's doing so poorly, fantasy-wise. Not Is he doing well because they're trying to catch up from behind? 15 points a game for Dave, Derek Carr. 15 no. points. Uh, he is ranked 18th with quarterback. And with Devontae Adams, who's had two off games, three and 12 yards, the other games have been, I think, all over 100. Uh, he's been great. The thing is, you don't have Darren Waller putting up great numbers. The tight end, who was really he good hasn't, last year. Yeah, no, he didn't look really good last year. He was injured most of last year. He hasn't been good for a couple of years. Oh, two years ago. Darren okay. Waller, yeah. Um, Tyreek Hill, that's a guy who was considered, oh, pretty good fantasy football player, but now... I mean, you'd have to have – would you have Tyreek Hill in your top ten? Yes. I mean, number one receiver with what he's doing. And people thought, well, he's not, he doesn't have Mahomes. He's not going to put up the yards. He's not going to put up the fantasy numbers. You can't draft him as your first wide receiver. Right. They were wrong, and two is a big part of that. They've got a great thing going. Imagine how much better they're going to get, you know, in a year or two. They already are great. And part of it is Waddle and everything else. But Tua and Tyreek Hill have worked out fantastically. Now, Cooper Cup going into the season, and I'm just looking, I got some rankings going into the season. Jonathan Taylor, number one. Well, that how did that work out for you? Um, Christian McCaffrey, yet to be seen now with the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, if he continues to run and throw and <laughs> catch a touchdown pass, uh, you know, it would be right. a pretty good pick. Austin Eckler is Austin Eckler. Cooper Cup, though, supposed to be a top guy, and he really is because – He's the only guy, it seems, that Matthew Stafford throws to. If Higby's not dropping a ball, Cooper Cup is catching it. That's what you got with the Rams. It's something that he can put up, the numbers, regular numbers and fantasy numbers, Cooper Cup, because defense is the king on him. I don't think they're worried about Allen Robinson. Uh, nobody else. They don't have Odell Beckham Jr. there. And I, I, I think, you know, you, you'd think Cooper Cup being double teamed often is not well, going to put up it, high numbers. And you don't have a running game. Cam Akers yeah. is not who he was last year, so that makes it all the much harder. Najee Harris was supposed to be a top ten guy for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're talking about benching him now. Yes, and right. uh, so a lot of disappointments from what we saw. Who are guys? And we talked about some guys in fantasy who or pleasant surprises. Tua Tagovailoa is one of them, of course. Uh, even Marcus Mariota. And Justin Fields. <laughs> to a, Justin Fields. To a certain extent, I think Marcus is as well. I still think Nick Chubb is a little bit of a surprise. Now, I've got him on my team, and I'm really happy with him. I didn't think he would be number one or number two overall in fantasy points the way he has been. Because he and Kareem Hunt in previous years, it's not been a 50-50 split, but it's been enough of a split where one guy is not going to dominate. But right now, it's Nick Chubb dominating. He's averaging 19 points a game. He's doing yeah. a great job job there i think saquon barkley's a little bit of a surprise because he's yes, healthy and the numbers he's, he's putting, yeah yeah and the numbers he is putting up is really really something this is a guy oh, i wish i didn't wave i waved him after a few weeks but i heard great things in the preseason running back uh ramondre stevenson for the patriots we know how the yeah. patriots don't key on one running back they keep moving them around and have three or four guys throughout a season he's number he's a top 10 running back running back right now in fantasy football he is definitely a surprise kenneth walker the rookie 
Another guy I got, he has been – and he didn't start the season. He was hurt in the beginning, but he's really come on the scene, had a great game last week. I believe he had two fourth-quarter touchdowns. Uh, he has had a – he had 27.9, I believe, last Sunday in PPR. He's been a little bit of a surprise. With rookies, I don't think you ever can guarantee what to expect out of them. But he has been as good as you would hope for coming out of college. You might think that you – know, you mentioned that Marcus Mariota is a, an option as a fantasy quarterback. And when you only throw 15 times a game for 129 yards, you're thinking, oh, well, how good can he be? Well, it's the same thing with Justin Fields, right? Justin yeah. Fields doesn't complete a lot of passes. Marcus Mariota's offense doesn't attempt a lot of passes. But he also runs for 50 yards and a touchdown. So he'll score you over 20 points a game in Mariota. Very surprising. I wonder if this is one of his better fantasy years. I try to look try to look that up because I know he you know he didn't play a lot last year. We talk about that with the Raiders. He'd play a play or two here and there. Uh, with Tennessee, off when he injured, wasn't hurt. When he wasn't hurt, yeah. But this year, not hurt. And uh, again, they're 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 surpassing everybody's predictions as far as win totals. People in Vegas had him at two, two and a half. They've already won four. They almost beat the Rams. And Marcus, NFC Offensive Player of the Week already. I don't know if he ever got that with Tennessee in the AFC. Nobody would have expected that. He was just a fill-in to Desmond Ritter, the band Well, he still is. He still is. Probably, And I don't don't know that Desmond Ritter is the – I don't know that Desmond Ritter is the future quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons. They drafted him in the third round. Are they going like, yeah, let's do the Joe Montana thing? No. They took Desmond Ritter. Now, he might develop into a starting quarterback. But it's not like they're going, hey, Marcus, okay, thank you very much. Here comes Desmond Ritter. I don't think. Otherwise, uh, you could see Marcus wouldn't even finish out the season. They'd be developing him, right? But I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. I love Desmond Ritter. And I think he could be a quality quarterback in the NFL. But there's a reason Marcus is still out there playing. I mean, what what should have been – a uh, you know a, a year of tanking for the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> right. has turned out to be oh wait a minute now we got to, we got something going here hold on yeah. Risman Ritter you sit on the bench and learn Marcus <laughs> talk to him and help him out in the quarterback room let's try and win a few more games yeah. I love it love it. And it to win it, I bet there are a few teams in the NFL that wish they would have gotten Marcus in the offseason. People might have thought he was washed up, but he's proving a lot of people wrong. Pittsburgh you know might who? have been one of those teams. Carolina. Or- or the New Orleans Saints who went with Jameis Winston. Right. And, and <laughs> Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton they have. Yeah. All right. It's uh, 17 minutes after. Get your questions in for our guest. Uh, if you want to help on your fantasy team, the number is 808-296-1420. And uh, coming up next, Casey Mallon from footballdudes.com joins us on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. This is Rivals Fantasy Football on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. All right, this is Rivals Fantasy Football Show brought to you by the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. Keep listening because we've got some NFL memorabilia to give away what's up for grabs in a few minutes. An autographed photo of Stefan Diggs of the Buffalo Bills. Great receiver, Whoa. one of the best in the league, and you can win it in about 12 minutes from now.
Okay, please introduce our esteemed guest. Yes, one of our great national experts will give us all great advice from footballdudes.com. Casey Mallon back with us. You can call or text at 808-296-1420, and we'll have Casey come on now and offer some advice. Casey, great to have you on again. Before I go to some of the questions, what are your thoughts on maybe going with any Indianapolis Colts players moving ahead with all the coaching changes (laughs) they've had there lately? Uh... Yeah, you know, if you've got that number one pick and this year's draft and you had, you know, Taylor there, you thought, hey, man, I'm doing stuff. But uh, right. it's just hard to have any confidence with them moving forward. I think Sam Ellinger might get there. I liked what he did in preseason, but preseason isn't week 10. So it's uh, it's buyer beware. I'm sorry if you have Pittman or Taylor there. Um, maybe a Paris Campbell's nice. You know, maybe some of these guys that Ellinger worked with when, you know, with the practice squad and the backups, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Colts. <laughs> Colts Casey's, <laughs> Casey's trying to be polite. There's no need to be polite. Hey, but what about okay? So they have announced that something called Parks Frazier will be calling the offensive plays, and uh, maybe you take Ellinger and bench him to see how it goes. No. No, yeah, no, no, I'm staying away from everybody there. I'm not even trying to buy cheap if someone's offering somebody up. I'm just, yeah, hands off, baby. <laughs> hey, what's going on with Najee Harris? Since we were talking earlier about disappointments and surprises, Najee Harris has been a disappointment. Is that just because of the Steelers' offensive line? or can What's going on? I think he's a little banged up, too. That uh, line has not been great the last few years, and even yeah. though last year he wasn't uh, rushing for that many yards of carry he was getting a ton of opportunities and uh that's just not been there working in the uh the rookie quarterback uh it's just not been good and you know what Jalen Warren the rookie there he's actually made the most of his opportunities when he gets him so this might be a guy if you can get him cheap find him on your roster and see what happens because you know if the, the Steelers season doesn't look like it's going anywhere maybe they uh you know put Najee on the shelf maybe Warren's your guy moving forward yeah, uh, folks, check out the footballdudes.com, the website uh, with Casey, and uh, check out the podcast, The Trend Zone. It's an excellent, excellent website. Some of our listeners are texting in on the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808 296 1420. Uh, here's one here. It says, what about the new governor? No, that's uh, something else. (laughs) (laughs) I can start two flex players in a PPR. Who are the best two out of Brandon Cooks, Allen Robinson, Drake London, and Kadarius Toney? Give me the the best two. Uh, you know, until we, I'm not sure what's up with Brandon Cooks. I know he's back in the, uh, the facilities this week, but. There's not a lot happening there, so I would go with uh, London there for sure. And, uh, you know, Cooks is valuable when he's in there. It's just it's pretty sketchy right there right now. So, um, yeah, maybe you throw him in there. I don't know. They need help. Those It's not a lot of good options. I feel bad for your fantasy. <laughs> hey, you know, it, it's hit or miss kind of with uh, Drake London. He could score two touchdowns or Mariota just runs him in. Allen Robinson, though, he's kind of been a guy that we expected more from, especially being on the Rams. Yeah, you know, um, the Super Bowl hangover is really something that's affecting them. Their offensive line is in shambles. They've not been able to run the ball. Cam Akers has not been there. Allen Robinson, it's weird. He's had these great seasons, 
with the Bears with zero quarterbacks and you put him in this offense, you think that he would produce. It's just not happened. Maybe it's starting to trend that way a little bit. And that's a desperate team. They need to score some points. So you're you're seeing his involvement a little bit more, but uh, it's still shaky there at best. You know, they they just lost too many pieces for the Rams. You know, they're starting to um, pay back for all eponym picks. Uh, somebody texted in a question in the PPR league for flex, Debo Samuel or Aaron Jones? Um, I'm going to go with Debo. Aaron Jones, they say he's going to play, but, um, you know, I worry about the ankle for a running back, and Debo's had that bye week to get healthy. I mean, you add McCaffrey to that offense. I like Debo a lot. Kicker, Brandon McManus or Harrison Butker? <laughs> uh, we're doing kickers here. I guess He's like, McManus, I don't care. It doesn't you know, matter. Yeah. yeah, I don't like kickers at all, but um, – you know, maybe McManus because the Broncos have struggled in the red zone and he's got the big leg there and it's going to be tough to score against those Titans. So, you know, maybe. Okay. Earlier we were talking, earlier we were talking, Casey, about um, some of these disappointment guy, guys who have been kind of disappointments, like, you know, mentioned Jonathan Taylor. But can somebody like, um, oh gosh, my mind is going blank, Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, can somebody like Justin Fields, can defenses now, he gains 178 yards, right? Can defenses yeah. now, maybe you have a spy on him. I mean, is this sustainable fantasy-wise what Fields is doing? I mean, I don't know if he's going to, you know, hit you for a buck fifty every week on the ground, but I've, I've watched him the last few weeks, and now they're catering the offense to his skill set. And right. I think he's just, you know, he's that dude. They get some more pieces there. They added Claypool. Mooney's starting to flash a little bit. Great running game there. So with the designed runs, he's capable of ripping those off every week. So I'm definitely buying in on Fields moving forward. A listener has a question about quarterback, speaking of Fields, but he's not on this list. He needs a quarterback out of Jared Goff, Marcus Mariota, Andy Dalton, uh, Pickett, or Geno Smith. Uh, let's let's cook with Geno, baby. I mean, they're going yeah. over to – Germany, Woo! and I know it's a, that Bucks defense has been playing a little bit better, but, you know, Geno's been steady every week, you know, getting the 200 yards, getting the two to three touchdowns, and uh, there's just some good mojo on those Seahawks right now. So let's go overseas and have a brat with Geno. <laughs> Casey Mallon, footballdudes.com, joining the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Maybe this week, do you have somebody, maybe a couple of uh, – a couple of picks that you know folks might want to add to their roster. Maybe a couple of guys nobody's talking about. No, I don't know if he's getting the acclaim. Not Thursday night's a little bit sketchy, but Terrace Marshall, the receiver for the Carolina Panthers, he's put a couple solid um, weeks back to back there. So um, you know their quarterback situation is sketchy there too. But uh, I like what he's been doing and. Uh, Demiria Bird for the Falcons, uh, he's kind of getting involved there as well. So, mm. you know, you're taking flyers on receivers this point in the year, and some of them hit. It's so, so scrambled from week to week. But right. look for some of those guys to come up and some of these younger guys on different squads that are um, starting to get, uh, you know, more playing due to the time of the season. Nico Collins is another one. He's coming back from injury from the Texans. I liked him earlier, especially with the uh, not sure what's going on with Brandon Cooks. Nico Collins might be a guy that you can play to. Oh, and Paris Campbell for the Colts. 
if we're doing any Colts. Sorry, I said we wouldn't, but we did. <laughs> right. All right, folks, check it out footballdudes.com casey thanks for joining us always great information and uh, we'll make sure we check out your site before we make our adjustments this week thanks a lot thanks casey thanks thanks Charles. all right that is uh, once again great podcast the trend zone uh check it out on the website i wonder who some other surprise picks would be um maybe uh this week in fantasy football i like the bird guy I mean, you see the speed that that guy has? Nobody knows who he is. You talk about Drake London and Kyle Pitts, but that is a weapon. It's just that the Falcons just don't throw that much. Here's a couple of tight ends maybe to keep your eyes on if you need a tight end. Cole Komet of the Bears. He's had three touchdowns the last yep. two games. Also, uh-huh. Cade Otten for Tampa Bay. He looked pretty yes. good last you week. You see as that well. last game? Yeah, wow. that was nice. That was nice. The end of the game. He right. was like, he was like, he took the place of Gronk. He was the go-to guy for Tom Brady. Right. Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is probably not available in any leagues, but I believe he had about 15 points or something like that last week. Zach Ertz is a guy that if he's available. Uh, pick him up. Maybe you don't have that many players in your league, but, uh, yeah, I doubt he's pretty much available by now. But All right, let's uh, do our big giveaway at 296-1420, 808-296-1420. And uh, we are giving away, I can't remember already. Stefan Diggs autograph photo, authentic autograph photo, of course. All right, if, you wanna, if you're in it to win it, call in now, 808-296-1420. We'll give that away coming up next. This is Rivals Fantasy Football on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM at 1420 AM. Okay, we're giving away an autographed photo of which Diggs? Stefan Diggs. Not Trayvon Diggs, Stefan Diggs. Right. Glenn is the first in at 808-296-1420. How's it, Glenn? Hey, good morning. Okay. okay, Gary's got a simple trivia question for you. Shoot, Gary. Glenn, within 15 yards, can you give me the highest total that Dig- Stefan Diggs has had in a game this season? Within 15 yards of his highest total. Total yardage. Highest? Receiving yards, of course. Um, oh, receiving. Okay. Um, uh, 40. 40? No, that's way under. Way Oh, under. sorry about that, Glenn. All right. Uh, I wrote down the name Amar. Amar, how's it going? Hello? Hi, did you hey, hear the Amar. question? Read the question again, Gary. Go ahead. Yeah, for Stefan Days, can you give me within 15 yards his highest total in a game this year, receiving yards only? 40 was guessed earlier. That was way too low. Stefan Days receiving yards is the highest total? In one game, in one game, within 15, yes. Mm, I'm probably going to say 160. 160? You made it. It's 148. Wow. You're within 12. Wow. Good job. You got it. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> are you a are you a Diggs fan, or you will be putting this on eBay? <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm a I'm a Charger fan. Actually, I tried to call last uh, last week. You guys were giving away the Charger helmet, the Eckler helmet, and I couldn't get oh. in on that one. So. I heard you guys this morning calling. I said, well, let me give it a try and see if I can get it a Diggs uh, All right. Well, okay, got you, got the, you got the Diggs, and now we, we'll get you in touch with the guy that won the Chargers helmet. <laughs> Maybe he's a fan, and you guys can make a trip. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, good job, and thank you for listening, man. Have a great rest of your day, right. and uh, we'll uh, uh, see you around the, around the bin. Uh, <laughs> good job, Amar.
And that's how we play uh, the uh, Rivals Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back in full swing 8 o'clock next week. You've been listening to Rivals Fantasy Football on ESPN Honolulu. You know, you talked about a trade for those prizes. There's no trade deadline in fantasy football prizes, which reminds me, with the trade deadline last week, I've been reading a lot, and I can't think of the right answer for this. Why does the NFL have a trade deadline? Why do they have a set date where you can't make Why a trade? Why does anybody have it? Right. And I, I was mentioned a lot last week, like you're almost you're restricting teams for what reason? And I don't think there's an answer. I don't think there's a good answer for that. And okay, the, maybe they're thinking, okay, come playoff time, it's there's two teams left. There, it's the NBA Finals coming up next week. All of a sudden, both teams go crazy making trades to try and get the best rosters possible or something. I don't know why they wouldn't want to. I don't well, know. regular season, I think they shouldn't have a deadline. Playoffs, that's different because not everybody's playing, and there's you know that that would unravel too much to open up a can of worms way too much if you did it during the playoff but for the regular season why is there a trade deadline and i know the nfl adjusted it and i believe they actually made it earlier by a couple of weeks a few years ago but why have a deadline at all why and you're right like why in any sport would you have to have one in the regular season it just doesn't make sense because there are some teams that are thinking like you look at last week in the nfl okay the bears were sellers at first and then they ended up getting Chase Claypool. But what happens if a team goes on a little bit of a run and wins two, three games in a row? Let's say it's the char- well, the Chargers aren't going to be sellers, but any team. There's so many teams in the NFL so close together in the standing. Say, and if you lose a few games, the same thing. Then you might want to get rid of a few guys. But why do they have a set date where you can't make a trade? I after? don't know. You it tell me. You're the, you're the sports expert. You're the talk show host. Don't ask me the questions. Answer the questions. Okay, I, I don't think I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a good answer for it. There's no answer that would make sense. There just isn't. And again, there's a, a for some reason this year I've read where different teams are complaining about it, and they're actually going to bring it up. I'm not sure if it's the uh, competition or rules committee. Some teams are apparently going to bring it up and hopefully get that changed. If not, have no deadline at all in the regular season. Make it much later. It just it just doesn't make sense. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fun as a fan to see all the trades. And this year, I'm not sure if it was a record, but there were a lot of big names changing teams in the day or two before the deadline. But why have it at all? Why not let a team make a trade in Week 15? And I don't think – I think one of, the, one of the possible answers, and I don't think it would come into play in the pro level, would be this, is that maybe if a team is so far out of it – this happens in fantasy sometimes – Yes. You'll, tr- you'll make a trade. And that's exactly that- the re- – but that's exactly the reason why. I was trying to get you to get there. I think you can have a trade deadline, but it doesn't have to be so early, right? Have, a, have the trade deadline. What they're doing is they don't want people before the playoffs come – to start padding the the teams that are in it and making a mass exodus of players on the day. That's the simple reason leagues have trade deadlines. But I don't think that, but I'm with you, Gary. I don't think that the trade deadline has to be so soon. you got 17 games in the NFL. Make the trade deadline after, I don't know, 12 games. There, there's still that a lot of people better. in it, as you said. Make it, make it that way. But that's why. When you're, but when you're going, why do they do it? Why do they do it? Why do they do it? You know the reason why. But I think no, it doesn't I have I, to be as soon. But it is. Okay, that's the reason I mean, why. 
But that I, I, it probably is the reason why. Okay, I agree. No, with it is there, the reason why. I don't why. think. I don't think NFL teams. I don't think the Jets last year, the year before, and every year when they're knocked out of the playoffs officially are going to start dumping players to a team with a winning record. Right. It wouldn't happen any differently. It's not going. It happens in fantasy, and I've seen teams get kicked out of leagues before that, or owners get right. kicked out, but they but do it. If you, but if you do that every year because you're out of it, you're not going to have any players. You can't build a team. You, you know what I'm saying? You can never yeah. rebuild because at the end of this, if the, halfway through the season, okay, our first round draft choice, let's get rid of them. But why are you trading them? Why do you make trades? A- answer the question. Why do you make trades? To better your situation in the future, right. whether it's or so, it could be the immediate future or long term, right? So, with the trade deadline, why are you worried if a, a team that's falling out of it trades all of their picks? I'm not worried about that. I'm saying, but why should they be restricted I, I, to a certain date at all? It shouldn't be any date. The regular season should be uh, without a deadline to make a trade. Again, I don't think a team's going to help out another team with a trade in week 16. What I'm going to do is if I'm uh, I'm in the uh, playoffs, I'm headed to the Super Bowl. Hey, you know what? I'm going to give all of my draft choices for blank. I'm going to give all of my draft choices for blank because I'm going to I'm I'm in it. I I want to win this year. I'm in this year mode. That's what they don't want you to do. It would mess up the competitive balance of the league. In the playoffs, that give you have a trip being able to place during the playoffs. I'm talking about regular season. Why not do it up until week 17? You're not going to have a team and get all these players because other teams, again, it's, it, ha- it can't be happening. In- but why not week 17? Why would right. a team give up? Now, the you're only bre- one way around it might be if you're this. a potential do- free agent. You're breaking in and out. Uh, let's take a break. Remember now, call the coach coming up uh, tonight, 6 p.m., Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii. Uh, come on down and join us. You can um, uh, enter to win prizes. Talk to Coach Timmy Chang. Enjoy some great uh, pasta specials this month. It's uh, tonight, 6 p.m. from ESPN Honolulu. Hump Day. We're the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. The, uh, uh, of course, the elections are pow. Tomorrow we're going to get more into now with a new governor and Dr. Josh Green. What does that mean for the Aloha Stadium, the NASED, and everything else? Um, what does that mean for the rail? Anything? Who knows? Um, what does it mean for maybe a state lottery? I don't know that that would be, you know, for this, you know, in an upcoming session or not. But we were talking earlier today about the state of California. Overwhelmingly, they voted no on sports betting. And it wasn't because necessarily they wanted not to have sports betting, but for political reasons and who would be in control or who is in power. The propositions were not... um, were not favorable according to the way that they were written. So I'm sure they're going to bring it back. I mean, it's the most populated state in the country, and I'm sure they're going to try and get that thing done. 
Uh, people like DraftKings and FanDuel, they're all lobbying for it. They've lobbied here in Hawaii uh, trying to get some kind of legalized sports gambling going. And when you look at the arguments against legalized gambling, now 48 states, as we've mentioned before, have some kind of uh, gambling. Hawaii and Utah do not. I don't know for a fact that it is all, you know, lobbyists from Nevada holding it up. I I don't know that that's the the only reason anymore. Um, Because people are still going to go to Las Vegas. Now, one of the reasons, and and, uh, at least it's, unless it's just, you know, it's all BS, is the legislatures have come out and voted against these things because of socially the damage it brings. Governor Ige has come out and said, it's the uh, the social costs of legalized gambling that he doesn't want to have to deal with. And when you look at research, and this is research, that the poorest people in the country are the victims of, are, 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 have become victims of legalized gambling. In other words, the people buying all the lottery tickets aren't the rich people, and it's not the white people. So maybe they're thinking even more so with our population makeup that the lottery would be really bad. I don't see that, a state lottery. To me, there's good and bad, and there's evidence on both sides on positive or negative aspects of a state lottery. But what I'm getting at is maybe we're being a little ahead of ourselves by saying legalize sports gaming. You know, let people do it on an app, tax the heck out of it, give the money to schools, the rail would have been built built already, and on and on and on and on. But maybe before we get there, maybe before we get there, we at least just try and have a lottery. Do a little state lottery. Do some scratch cards and put a portion of the money going to, you know, help addicts. Just like a portion of a lot of the, the big tobacco money went to get people to, you know, run ads to get people to quit. And the tobacco helpline, which is funded by tobacco money, getting your free patches. Um, they only give it to you for like a couple of weeks worth. So, you know, they don't mention that on the ads. But, you know, do do something like that. Just try and get something underway. And, and you say, hey, you know what? It's on a trial system. We're going to try this for two years. Do a study and see what happens. Or at least, and I don't know that they've done this or not, at least fund a study. And I can't believe I'm saying that because I hate it. But at least fund a study on some kind of legalized gambling in Hawaii. Everything you said I couldn't agree more to. It makes too much sense. Maybe that's part of the problem. And, you know, even according to what I was reading earlier, the National Gambling Association, I think it's called, says only 2% of Americans are vulnerable to gambling addiction. That's not a high amount. Are they thinking it's going to but, be a lot higher again, here? Again, we're seeing both sides. The other, the other side's going to give you a different percentage according to their study. So we really have to just kind of, you almost want to throw this kind of thing out, do our own study actually do a lottery and then study it how did this happen how did this affect us you know i mean right. that's i think that's that's the way to go instead of just saying no because in my opinion i'm the governor and by the way josh green feels the same 
uh, he's said in the past, on legalized gambling as David Ige is. So I, I don't expect it to be a downhill battle with the new governor. But at the same time, I just wish that it would become more than a guy's opinion on whether we do it or not. And, you know, that goes for me, too. I, I'm, it's my opinion that we should at least give it a shot. But there are other people that agree with me. How many people are against it? Take the politicians out of the out of the picture. What if we were all, all of us here, adults, were sitting around a really big table and said, raise your hand if you want some kind of legalized gambling to help with schools and the rail and everything else. And then you add another, you know, and say, raise your hand, yes. Okay, raise your hand, no. And then we go, okay, there. Most people want it. Let's get you guys to figure out how to do it. I think also people would be naive to think that people aren't gambling in pretty high amounts now anyway. They're doing it illegally. So why not get some of that money? (laughs) By not having legalized gambling, you're not stopping people from gambling. You're not. And maybe it would be a lot more people gambling if it was legal. Okay, I understand that part. And maybe they're afraid of that hurting people's lives. But people are gambling now anyway. It's hard to meet people who aren't. Uh, I mean, I just 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 too many of them that aren't. I, I, I don't. Nobody in my family gambles. It's it's that's an unfair statement to say it's hard to find people who aren't gambling. I think you you'll find people who I don't I don't mean every person is gambling, but you can go and you can you it's you can go almost any day of the week wherever you go and find people who are betting on a game if you're around a game. And I see that almost on a daily basis. That you see people gambling on sports on a daily basis? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I see zero people. But anyway, let's talk about that for the next 10 minutes. Or we can end the show now and try it all over again tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. We'll see you at Call the Coach tonight, 6 p.m., Ruby Tuesday in Moanalua. Uh, it's going to be some fun, fun, fun from ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM.